Hello and welcome to Believe in Me with Rona Barton. In this week's episode, I'm going to be chatting to you a little about grief and ME. Don't forget, you can review, share and subscribe to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening now. You can sign up for my mailing list by visiting my website, ronabarton.co.uk or join my Facebook group, Believe in Me Community, by following my Facebook page at Rona Barton Coaching. Okay, let's jump straight in. When we think about grief, or we hear people talking about grief, we tend to jump to the assumption that they're talking about the death of somebody they knew. I would say that this is by far the most accepted way of thinking about grief based on my own experiences. In reality though, we can grieve a number of things, even those that are intangible. And this bereavement is a stress to our already delicate systems. The top five most stressful life events haven't changed that much in the past 10 years or so. Number one, is the death of a spouse, child or loved one. Number two is divorce. Three is moving house. Four is major illness or injury. And five is job loss. Let's take a look at number four there. Major illness or injury. Well, yep, that's where we sit. People with ME can definitely say that they have a major illness. That's a very stressful life event and, as I'm sure we all know, it has an impact on other areas of our lives. In my case, it knocked on to number five, job loss, and number three, moving house. Three of the five big stressful life events all conveniently rolled into one experience. That wasn't the sort of multitasking I'd wanted to do with my life. If we go on to expand the list to the top 10 most stressful life events, we can go on to add in imprisonment, dismissal from work, retirement, marriage and marital reconciliation. I don't know about you, but I certainly had times when I felt like I was a prisoner in my own bedroom. So let's go ahead and add that as a fourth to our list of top 10 most stressful life events. I'm not going to go on and look at the top 20 or even the top 30 most stressful life events as there are others that people with ME would tick off like some really weird checklist, including financial problems, not being able to get to sleep, worrying that you've upset a friend or even forgetting something important that you had to do. So let's call it quits with this particular list for now. Long term or chronic health conditions can cause stress for both those of us affected and our loved ones. In addition to life's everyday stresses, you may have the added stress of managing chronic pain, increased financial burdens or dealing with limitations caused by your ME. One of the ways I tried to take back some control of my sense of loss was to find out as much as I could about my ME and what worked, or didn't work, for me. This meant that I looked at dietary requirements and found out reasonably early on that I was intolerant to dairy. I looked at any supplements that could help to level out my energy blips 
and I was open to trying any and all therapy suggestions that came my way. That included hydrotherapy, massage therapies and even seeing a psychologist. The one thing that I didn't really spend much time on was really feeling my feelings. My emotions took quite a back seat through all of this and even now, 24 years on from first getting ill, I still don't think I've really delved that deeply into the emotional whirlpool that I lived with. So please do not feel guilty if you're struggling to cope emotionally due to your ME. It can take time. So what was I grieving? One of the main things was the loss of my job. I was starting out in my career, so this felt like a massive hole appearing in my life. My job was gone. My work colleagues disappeared. My financial independence left me and I was facing the prospect of having to give up my freedom in the form of my car and a house. All of these things are intangible. People don't seem to appreciate that it felt just as big as if a person I knew had died. It had rocked my world in a major way. I spent some time trying to make sense of my thoughts around it all. Again, the space I had in my brain to do this was limited, so that accounts partly for the slow progress I made with it. I'm also pretty sure burying my head in the sand made up the rest of it. At the time, I'd bought a copy of a book called Somebody Help Me by Jill Moss. I'd met Jill via the Association of Young People with M-E, A-Y-M-E pronounced AIM, which she had founded and I would later go on to be involved in as their fundraising officer. Jill's book suggested diving into my thoughts and feelings and sort of dividing those up under five headings. Those headings being denial, return, anger, guilt and shock, or drags. The idea of this is to help you recognise exactly what emotions you're experiencing and to help enable you to deal with them in manageable chunks. Now, if you're interested, you can find Jill's book online by searching for Somebody Help Me by Jill Moss. So let's look at drags in a bit more detail. First up, the D, that's denial. I knew that I wasn't in denial about my ME or how it was impacting me, but I was very aware that others in the family, those not directly involved with me, didn't really believe I was ill. In any loss that we experience, denial is present and it's one of the first feelings that we may have to deal with. It's far easier to believe that it'll all be better tomorrow or next week or next month, but keeping up that illusion can be exhausting. You're also denying yourself the chance to explore your ME and learn what works for you. If we go to the R for return, you may find that your immediate family, as well as yourself, are desperate for you and the things that you do together to return to normal. 
They may even put pressure on you to do more as soon as you show the littlest bit of improvement in your health. Whilst it's nice to encourage it, it can sometimes lead very easily to them jumping to the conclusion that, well, you're now fit and able to, for example, go back to school or back to work full time. And it can be a hard pill to swallow as if you return to what was your normal too soon, you can relapse. That in itself can cause a lot of sadness, not just for you, but also for your family. Going slowly, checking and resetting your baseline activities is going to help you build back your old lifestyle. But try not to be tempted to run before you can walk. Anger is up next. I think you'll recognise this emotion in yourself and in those around you quite quickly. I mean, it is easy when people are shouting or yelling at each other. But what's more challenging to pin down is the displaced anger. Displaced anger can show up as you believing that it's all somebody else's fault or that your friends have turned against you and they're just being horrible people to you. It's not always easy to recognise this and for those of us with severe ME or for those who may not be able to verbalise their feelings, it may only become clear upon reflection. One way you might want to do this is by keeping a diary of your thoughts and feelings or scoring your day out of 10, for example, or even finding somebody to share it with. That brings me to the G, guilt. Oh, guilt, 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 guilt. Now this one I am familiar with. It sneaks up on you and tends to present itself in the form of if-onlys. Even when there's no reason to feel guilty, we, as grieving people, will manage to find one. As will our families. They will listen to every little bit of helpful information that comes their way and they will try to take action. This can lead to guilt over the action taken. So then there's more action, which funnily enough is followed by more guilt over that action and so on and so forth. And this vicious cycle doesn't actually help anybody. And for us, it uses up energy. Try to see your guilt feelings for what they are and keep an eye out for them hiding behind denial, return and even anger as well. In this instance, I'm going to come back to the previous suggestion of keeping a diary of your thoughts and feelings to help you get to grips with things. And that brings us to shock. This may be the first emotion that you experience upon receipt of your ME diagnosis, but it may also be one of the last that you come across. Quite often, it's the extent of having to come to terms with the unknown aspects of our ME that is the most shocking. The lack of definitive timescales for being ill and even the fluctuating nature of the condition can all add to the struggle that we have with the question of when will this end? When will my life be the way it was once again? Coming to terms with your ME and the limitations it can place on your life can help us look forward and not back. If you spend time wishing for your old lifestyle, then you may still be in the return aspect. <laughs> 
it isn't always easy to know whether or not you've accepted your ME. As if you're in denial, you can fool yourself onto anything. Sometimes spotting acceptance in other people will help you recognise it in yourself. Keep in mind that being able to recognise all of the drags, emotions, doesn't necessarily stop them from happening. And that brings me to a few points from today that I'd like you to take away from this. The first one being, try not to suppress your emotions and find a way to express them. I've suggested the likes of keeping a diary, but you may want to try something like drawing or making collages or even talking to a therapist to using voice and video recordings for your thoughts and feelings. Number two, don't feel under pressure to seek a quote-unquote cure. And number three, don't hold on to friendships and relationships that are causing you additional stress just because you're afraid of being alone. You can reach out to others and even support groups such as the 25% ME group, which you'll find over at 25megroup.org. So that's it for today, everybody. I've chatted a little about the grief I felt around my ME and some aspects that I found helpful, namely drags. I do think this part of ME is worth exploring further. And so just to give you advance notice, I've reached out to a fellow coach, one who specialises in grief, and I hope to bring you an interview around this in the next couple of months. She and I are trying to line up our diaries so we can get together for a chat. So thank you for listening. Please review, share and follow Believe in Me with Rona Barton via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. Remember you can sign up to my mailing list by visiting my website at ronabarton.co.uk and if you wish you can join my Facebook group Believe in Me community by heading to my Facebook page at Rona Barton Coaching. I hope today is a good day for you and I'll speak to you next week. Bye for now. Thank <music> you.